Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi, everybody. Welcome to All Net, the Irish Examiner Basketball Podcast. It's episode six. I'm Conor Meany and joined by Karen. Karen, you're very welcome. We're on the back of an exciting act, uh, weekend of action down in Cork. Uh, some, some really good games. Yeah, and um, like I was watching them online, I didn't wasn't able to get down there with my commitments with other with other basketball here in Clare. But you you were down there. You were down there playing. Uh, and look, you weren't really looking forward to that battle against Carrick, but you got through it anyway. What was it like? Uh, yeah, I think we dodged a bullet a little bit. We were uh, we were so afraid of Martins' provisors all week, and then. Uh, he probably didn't touch the ball as much as he probably should have, and we got away with one, especially because we were a bit short-handed. But uh, it's nice to nice to get a win and head back to a cup final. And uh, we're kind of, uh, I think today's pod is going to be really interesting because we've got um, a couple of two two very different people with different kind of levels of perspective, but uh, both kind of will give us really good insight into kind of the process that people are going through now we're, we're 10 days out from uh, the cup finals weekend up in Dublin and we have the likes of Meteors who had an amazing performance in the in, in their dominant win over DCU who are trying to navigate their first final in a, in a long long time you've got Colester on the women's side who are heading back for the first time in two years trying to win again or three years uh, win it again and then on the on the men's side you have an Aina team who uh, lost two uh, two finals ago and are back now trying to get their first ever uh, title for their club and regardless of whether they do it there's definitely going to be a first time winner because Maria, uh, University of Galway Maria obviously qualified for their first uh, ever cup final so what we're going to do today is uh, we've got an amazing first guest um, as someone who has seen it and done it all within uh, kind of Irish sport and performance coaching we've got Enda McNulty uh, Enda's going to join us now and uh, for anyone who, who doesn't know Enda obviously uh, has an amazing history as a player uh, winning all, an All-Ireland with Armagh an All-Star and then in his career he runs McNulty Performance who, which is kind of one of the leading uh, companies in, in the kind of performance uh, management side of things so Enda you're, you're very welcome Thanks for having me Connor. great to see you and Kieran. Yeah, so I guess just to uh, to give people a kind of uh, to frame this a little bit for people is that um, Enda came on my radar in 2011. Um, we were very fortunate that um, similar to Marie uh, this year, we we qualified for our, our club's first ever cup final, uh, big underdogs against Colester in 2011, and 
through the late great uh, Brian Mullins. Uh, we were introduced to Enda as someone who could come in and potentially give us a little bit of uh, of help uh, two weeks out from the cup final. And uh, and I guess just what were, what's your own memories, first of all, from that? And then what, what we'll get into is a little bit of pre- preparing kind of amateur teams who aren't always at the, the highest end of uh, high-performance sport uh, in kind of preparing for these big games. So what do you remember? It's a few years ago now. My memories are extremely fond I'll never forget getting the phone call from Guy Easterby, who's obviously the manager at Leinster Rugby. Uh, I was working with Leinster at the time and Michael Cheka and Co. And he said, and is any way you do me a favor? I want to meet you for coffee at UCD Sport. And I said, I'm delighted. He said, I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but I think you'd be excited. We had uh, coffee at UCD and he introduced me to Brian Mullins. Of course, I knew Brian well from uh, our Gaelic Games interactions through university football. Uh, and Brian said to me, and uh, is there any way he gives a dig out uh, for UCD Marion for the cup final? Uh, it's unbelievably exciting where we are and what we're doing. Would you be excited to get involved? Guy said to me before I walked in, pro bono, I was delighted. Uh, and they told me about people like Connor Meany, about your father, Connor, and about the club and the ethos and the spirit, all of which are, of course. Uh, I was really excited. I'll be honest. I was even more excited when I was asked to go to training and I met Conor Meany and Fran Ryan and all the players on the basketball coach and your American player. I'll never forget his athleticism, Conor, and the buzz and the sense of uh, winner's mentality and the humility, Conor, because I love working with people that are humble, that are hungry, they've got a growth mindset and they want to find a way to win. Any coach in the world is not where we want to play. Uh, and walking into UCD that night, I, I, you could smell in the, in, the, in the basketball court that night at UCD, you could smell the hunger, you could smell the humidity, you could smell the desire to win. Was there a bit of skepticism that first night, Connor? You know that some of the players were slightly skeptical that night. But coaches listening into this podcast know that initially you're going to get the skepticism. You need to back yourself and believe in yourself that if the American uh, incredible professional, as you guys call them, is a bit skeptical, that's okay. Win us trust. I actually, by the way, had him for a coffee a week later on Euroquest Connor uh, down in the hotel in Sandy Mount where we were staying. And I spent a bit of one-on-one time trying to understand his perspective and how could I win his uh, belief in me and what you guys are trying to do. And then, of course, Brian Mullins' energy and your coach, Fran Ryan, I'll never forget his enthusiasm. It was almost like a, a, a Popovich, an Irish Popovich, talking about how are we going to win this cup and his complete openness, Connor, and your openness. And you're coming to me and saying, you know, how are we going to work on the mental toughness? How are we going to instill more belief? I didn't have to win you over, Connor. In fact, the opposite. I got a sense from you as a captain, if my memory is correct, saying to me, and what do we need to do together? to create that sense of belief and mental toughness and what I call that winning IQ. Of course, I'm referring to the language of Phil Jackson. So so to go through it there, like Andrew, you'd know working in the performance coaching space that sometimes you'd be told the last thing you do when you get to a final is bring in the sports psychologist or even for a sports, someone who works in that area to go in, oh, it's a final, now we bring you in. As opposed to, you mentioned your work with Leinster and that would have started long before you got to a Heineken Cup final. That was throughout the season. So it can be a bit of um, a pitfall for both 
parties, both you as the performance coach and the team, to bring in someone who hasn't had an association for a one game. So what way did you be conscious of that pitfall, Ender? Like, um, do you still, you obviously, Connors, and it's great that you guys have this connection 12 years on, um, but tell us about you even weighing up to go in because there is that pit, pitfall because what you're usually is you keep to your process that what got you to there. So tell us about the pitfall of coming in for one game and what you saw as the brief. Yeah, lovely question, Kieran. I think that, first of all, I had the trust of Brian Mullins. I won the trust early of Fran Ryan, the coach, and I would strongly praise that man. I've learned a lot from him, by the way, about Gaelic games, tactics for basketball. Afterwards, my brother Justin, who was coaching Leash GA, brought Fran Ryan in to work with the Leash team. By the way, on offense and defense in Gaelic games, Fran Ryan gave me more of an education on that. A week after we won the cup with UCD, the boys were all out in the drink. Connor and all the boys were out in the drink. And I said to, uh, to Fran Ryan, we go and celebrate over a steak and a bottle of beer in Randland. He said, the boys are all out in town and uh, we'll have a quiet steak and a bottle of suds. I'll never forget it. It was an education over dinner that night. Uh, Justin then brought him in as a coach for Leash. Come back to your question, Kieran. Uh, I had the backing of Brian Mullins, God rest him. At the backing of Conor Meany, the captain of the club, he had the backing of his whole team. At the backing of Fran and then I've been in change rooms my whole life, uh, understanding how you win people over very quickly. I'd also been in change rooms where somebody was brought in in that last two weeks, Kieran, where it was a disaster. So I've learned against the mistakes that I've seen happening in the past. What are the potential mistakes and what, what did you, because you can't hit on everything. You mentioned mental toughness and obviously they had a certain level of it to get there, but obviously more was required and that was an exceptional cholesterol team. We we were speaking about them last week and about how themselves and demons were winning everything in that six to seven year period. So there, there was a challenge, but what was the mandate nearly? What, you could only cover so much. So what did you, A, I suppose, what? How did you win over them? You said you've seen there was a certain level of skepticism that you're always going to get, and you had seen people fall on their face from being an athlete yourself. So, a, how did you win them over, overcome that skepticism, and, and, and what did you get to when you, when you sat down with the group? Because you had a very tight time frame between the semi final and final. Well, Connor will know some of this probably better than me. Uh, what I would say is, Kieran, the week before, the two weeks before, a hiding cup final or a grand slam decider in Twickenham and I'm lucky to have been in all those environments or a Ireland final with Armagh or a cup final with UCD the best coaches whether the performance coaches or offensive coaches know that less is more so you walk in there and you have absolute clarity to use a Joe Smith phrase you walk in with clarity what exactly you're trying to achieve and the good news is Kieran and Connor's aware of this I found that out from Fran and Connor very quickly. And my remit was very singular. One, bring belief to this team to do it. Two, bring a mental game plan of how we're going to use the favoritism of Calester as their fall. And three, give them a very, very simple total preparation plan that they know how they're going to go in for optimal or peak performance in the final. In other words, the rest their recovery, their nutrition, their technical prep, their tactical prep. We put together a plan on one page that Fran Ryan communicated to the team, not me. 
So working with Ireland Rugby, we would have put together a world-class, uh, let's say, winning mental game plan for every game. Joe Schmidt would have communicated that to the squad and the captains, senior players, and all the squad. In UCD, that was done by Fran and people like Connor. So so we had the two weeks, Guy and Brian met, met in the, on, let's say, the Tuesday or Wednesday and just kind of from your perspective, what is your memory of when you met, when you would have met Ender for the first time? And what do you remember from, let's say, that first meeting with you? Yeah, so uh, I remember Ender coming down to that first uh, first training session. I think we all do. And uh, I, I think within basketball, sometimes there's a little bit of uh, skepticism about GAA people. of Like, well, what could they know about our sport? We absolutely knew that Ender had performed at a really high level and had achieved so many different things. And we knew that he was working with Leinster and different things. So we knew he had a, an incredible pedigree. But then you're always sometimes just kind of... Uh, I think within a, a team, you're always going to have the, the people who are going to be receptive to anything that's coming their way, the people who aren't going to listen to anything. And then the kind of the middle ground is where you're trying to win them over. And uh, Ender came in that first night and... I, everyone who deals with Ender knows his kind of his enthusiasm, his kind of his excitedness to get across a message is one of the things that really kind of captures everyone's uh, attention. But I think one of the reasons that, particularly for myself, as I I didn't really think about it for a long time, but during COVID I started thinking back on some of these things, and, and uh, I think we were very receptive to it because we were so aware that Cholester were significantly stronger than us. And that we had to find something that was out of the ordinary for us to be able to compete. That we couldn't rock up in the same way that we'd done every week of the season to date because it just wasn't going to be enough. So we had to find something additional there to, to, to kind of get us over the line. And um, It's funny, with so much that goes on with these games for, for amateur people, they're dealing with work, they're dealing with everything else. And you're always only less is more so important to it because you're only going to pick up one or two of the things and uh i think the biggest thing that i took away from enda was um it was around the way that we perceived ourselves at the way that we would demonstrate ourselves when we came into the national basketball arena from the warm-up onwards that when cholester looked down the other end of the court that they saw a team that believed that they were going to be able to compete but the biggest message that he came uh, gave to us, and it's simple, and it's it's one that I've lived with uh, the rest of my career, was that it, it, his term at the time was love the battle, and it was around this idea of like, I guess it's you sometimes hear pre pressure is a privilege or whatever uh, way you want to demonstrate it is that at times in this national basketball arena, Calesta are going to have runs at you and everything else, things are going to be going wrong, but. The only reason that you're in this stressful environment is because you've earned the right to be on that stage and have a chance to win a cup. And that wouldn't you much rather be in that situation than playing local league on a Tuesday night at nine o'clock in some gym where nobody's watching. And for me, that was a huge message to me because... In, in, uh, in what way? To eliminate the tentativeness, is it? That yeah. Oh God, it, you're it, having to run, is it? Well, more so in the fact that when things went wrong, and things went wrong a lot in that game, Cholester were on top of us for the majority of the game. Outside the first couple of minutes, uh, Cholester were, were up by 10 going into the fourth quarter. And yet, the stress that came with all that, in, in days gone by, we probably would have just hung our heads and said, yeah, okay, we've given a decent account of ourselves. And 
cheers, well done, lads. You got to a cup final and, and pat ourselves on the back and say, well, we're still only 23, 24. Let's get it in the next year or two. But it was just that kind of going, well, it doesn't have to be over yet. And we can keep kind of plugging away. And let's see, because I think Enda touched on it there. It's like that idea of using Colester is um, the heavy favorite tag. It's one of the famous things that came out of it and uh, was that we were kind of saying, look, get within five in the last five minutes and we had no business to be there and that there'd be big questions asked of Colester. And that's exactly what uh, the way it manifested. So. It's, it's, it's funny that one of the features of basketball and Wales, let's say the cup will be televised on TG Cahir. Um, the dynamic that's unique for the casual average sports viewer watching is you get in on the timeouts. And it's funny through the years, of all the timeouts that stand out through the years, I remember Mark Scannell taken on board. It was his players who came up with the, they switched the defense against DCU Mercy last year. And the other timeout I'll always remember is Fran in that. And it was exactly that point, which is when you were 10 down, he said, let's just get it back to five and let's see what happens. They mightn't like it. Uh, and and uh, you, you touched on it there. There was two things. So on that, you, you mentioned there was two or three, there, there was three strategies you had. And number two was make Colester's favoritism work against them. Was that that at that point, like you and you talked about a lot of your coaching was true, Fran, because you weren't going to be in the timeouts. You don't want too many voices. But there was a bit of was there a bit of you in that? Was it was that was the dynamic that you were looking for? Is that let's make Colester play not to lose rather than to win, was it? Or what what was what, what where was that message from? Yeah. How did you make Colester favoritism go against them? So Connor, me, Fran, Ryan, Fran, one on God wrestling deserve 99.999% of all the credit. I deserve zero credit. Don't want any credit. Not interested in that. What I am interested in is that your listeners learn from this. And I'm interested in that there was some things that the UCD team did that night. And I was in Tala for the final. And I was sitting beside Brian Mullins. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget his big arms literally hitting me like that on the leg when you guys scored a three-pointer or when there's an unbelievable rebound from Conor Meany. I'll never forget it. The stadium was rocking. I couldn't believe it. People still ask me, and what's your most favourite memory you've been involved with, not the team that you played on with Armagh, but the teams you've been involved with to win major trophies or championships or Olympic medals? And I say to them, the day it was in the Tala Basketball Stadium with UCD winning that cup, it was electric, Kieran. Because what happened was nobody walked in that stadium. I love going into the stadium very early and listening and observing friends to be the opposition fans, the opposition players. They were complacent with a capital C. And Connor and Fran and Co. and their team, your brother was in that team as well, Connor. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, Niall, yeah. And his doggedness, it was electric. To watch his doggedness in that final, Connor, and yours, and your telepathic communication, offensively, defensively, I loved it. That, that means, to link that back into Kieran's point about the favoritism tag, you can smell another team when they're complacent. And I learned that, unfortunately, the very hard way. When you're playing in front of 85,000 people with Armagh and you're playing against Fermanagh, and one of your teammates tells you a week before the match that we should win this game by 12 points, that, to me, smells of complacency. Now, if I had a time machine, I'd go back to that Armagh change room and pin that player against the wall and say... Hold on a second here. That's complacency. As my father, who spent his whole life in psychology and coaching, his whole life, he's 75 years of age, as my father would say, that unfortunately becomes like almost a virus in your brain. 
If you got one, I, I, I do remember that game. My, my, my own father's a Fermanagh man, uh, Ender, so you'll, you'll forgive me, even though I was working and covering that game at the time, I, I was rooting for Fermanagh. And I remember, in hindsight, and you had a, they gave you a lot of games, tough games in those years. Uh, one of the worst things, you, you, you went 5-1 up early on. Yes. It was going to script, whereas if it had been, if it had been a point-for-point point kind of game and, and you had a great record. So you were familiar with that dynamic. Is it that when Kilester went from 10 and all of a sudden Marion, as you said, maybe hit a big three from the likes of Connor and they get it back down to five, it was a bit like when for men were, I remember Mark Little and those boys just running at you. Is it like, what happens when you've been complacent and you're encountered that moment? Great question, Kieran. And I know because of your lifelong coaching in basketball and performance coaching, I know that you've been in that arena far more times than me. I'm only going to give you my perspective and it could be way off. When I collaborate when Euro said this, We've listened to the, and met and worked with some of the best coaches in the world. Recently saw Popovich doing his timeouts in the Madison Square Garden. To see his ice-cool nature at timeout time is some education real time. But anyway, I'm going to back to your question, Kieran. What happens? This is my perspective what happens. We used this in Leinster in the early days and Ireland against the All Blacks, by the way. What happens is, if the opposition are hot favourites, which were Colester, which were Armagh against, uh, obviously, uh, against Fermanagh, which you would say that the All Blacks were against Ireland and Chicago uh, in that amazing game, right? What happens is, if you're hot favourites, your subconscious tells you that this should be okay. You expect to win. You expect that it might be a tough enough battle, going back to Connor's points earlier on, but you know eventually you're going to be after the game a few bottles of beer having won this big trophy. And the media is telling you that, your coach isn't telling you that, but your colleagues and your teammates and your girlfriends planning for the party afterwards, I should ask you what dress you're going to wear and all that. And I've been there in that changing room when everybody has been talking about that. And half time people are saying, well done, Enda, you're a man of the match so far. I've been in there when they're literally tapping me in the back to say man of the match so far. And then it makes you very aware of how lethal that injection is. In high-performance environments, whether they're amateur or professional, you've got a wise old fox around the camp, like we had at Queen's University. And the wise old fox around the camp, like a Conor Meany, says, you know what? Their complacency is going to be our biggest friend. Their complacency is going to be our biggest weapon. We use that in Leinster Rugby against Munster in that famous 09 season. And UCD... Learn from what we've done in Leinster and did exactly the same thing against Colester. I, I think just to add to it, it's uh, from a very basketball uh, like specific perspective. What you what you tend to you can you can feel it on the court when when something like that's happening, and the way it manifests itself is that particularly that Colester team, um, they were very they're very deep. They had lots of guys who could all contribute and were experienced guys who were all kind of like able to do it. And we obviously played a zone for the majority of the game. We were so afraid of Jermaine. We couldn't match up with Jermaine Turner, but we played a zone. And in that fourth quarter, you could quickly see that guys were kind of like, you're not cleanly catching the ball, looking at the basket anymore. It's a slight hesitation because you've, you've just missed the three shots before that. All of a sudden, we're only up by a couple of points. And then it's kind of like, am I going to be the guy who takes this next shot to be, give them a chance to all of a sudden come down and tie it up? And they got very, like, they absolutely got tight because uh, the five points they scored in the fourth quarter all came through Robbie Clark, who was one of their youngest players who just kind of came on when Isaac got fouled out. And 
uh, like it was nothing to do with ability because like a week later we played them with the IWA in the league and they smacked us by 25 points uh, and it was just a case of that environment where suddenly this isn't going exactly as we probably uh, like we already saw this going uh, and that's the way often in basketball it, it can kind of show itself. Uh, and, and you, you said pl other plan was believe, right? And we, we mentioned about Fermanagh beating Ian in 04. They, they played Tyrone in the in the quarterfinal in 03. And I know just from talking to some of the players, the mantra they took at the time was the miracle game. Like Tyrone had won the league, won Ulster. Obviously, you were coming in on the other side through the back door. But the point is, is that Fermanagh went with the miracle game, which is the famous US hockey beating R Russia. At the at the olympics and the mantra that they took was not tonight i.e if we played them in a best of 10 they probably win nine of them but this is the 10th game we'll win um and it didn't tyrone white for man and there was a lot many other factors but my point is is were you trying to say did you how did you get them to believe did you have to say yeah you're not as good as cholester but you only have to be as good better than them in this one game what way did you get the belief what way did you because you're it seems like there was a recognition from both of you if it was a best of seven Kilester win this so how did you give them the belief what way did you approach it yeah i would say Claire, i didn't give them and i think one of the biggest things that coaches in amateur basketball or in premier league football and i've been in touch with some of those in the last week and coaching them when you're coaching people in general we need humanity i didn't give them belief connor meany fran ryan Give them belief. Now I have them believe in themselves, and I remember vividly Connor's fist in a bloody uh, in a little huddle with about five minutes to go, and a timeout. Sorry, I remember literally him in the middle of the guys all around them, arms around each other's shoulders, and him in the middle with that unbelievable belief in his eyes. Never mind his voice. And I learned this the hard way. If people are looking into my eyes on a Larnham final day and they don't believe everything I'm saying. Doesn't matter what I'm saying. Doesn't matter the content. The body language is so important. So I didn't give them any belief, Kieran. But what was checking out, Connor? You you felt you got belief from it. Like what way did you approach that? What can you and what what can you remember about being the group's mindset and and maybe even what what Ender touched on because he said it was one of his three point plan. What are your memories of lads? This is this can happen. Um. Yeah, I I, I think. The way my memory of it is that we are given the that the practical way of looking at how we carried ourselves at the start of the game, or even before the game, the warm up, the way we practiced that week, gave us a platform to be in the game, and we started the, that game remarkably well. I think we went up like ten three or something like that. Suddenly, you're kind of going, okay, we can play on this stage. It doesn't really matter, and then. I think we talked already about the fact that when stress came that we were able to deal with it, but it was just it came back to that thing that it was almost like why can't we do it? It wasn't that we're going to do it. It's but like why should we be the ones who put the barrier in front of ourselves to do this? It's like there's already enough barriers trying to stop us to do it, and it's just like why would we get in our own way by doubting ourselves? Kind of thing. And, and, and you, you talked about your mindset even in the warm up or walking into the arena, and then the game point three was just your prep leading in. What, what, what do you remember? Were you a different person walking into the arena than you would have been? Maybe there would have been league games played up there. What do you remember was about 
yourself and nearly a bit of Enda and Fran running in your mind that week? Yeah, it's uh, I remember well, it's because uh, there's a lot of distractions with the couple. We'll come to this in, in a while when we talk to Charlie uh, from, from Marie, but um, uh, like this tv everything else you, you, you don't play in front of it very often so you're kind of walking into the arena there's cameras there all of a sudden there's there's people there watching you warm up in a way that people most super league games arrive at three minutes to seven or if it's ucd but for a few years fran used to make us play at 10 past seven because he wanted to try and trick everyone to turn up at seven o'clock and, and so they'd actually see us start the game um, but it was just that idea that there was this whole thing around it and i think we had already gotten to the stage where we were just like we were really comfortable in uh, we were fortunate that we obviously uh, were a, a club close to um, close to the arena, so we had actually watched uh, part of the, uh, the women's game uh, when we were up in uh, Ballantyre with the houses, and there was just a kind of there wasn't a tension within the group. Now, this isn't like uh, this all sounds like it's a nice little cheerleading thing for me in particular, but. We went on and played three more finals after that and never got it right in the same way. So it's all part of, I think, when you come to all of this sort of stuff, it's right right kind of right message, right time, and you can put it all together. And it's not always, that right message isn't always going to be right for every group at the exact same time and everything else. So but the, it just happened. I think you hit on a big point, though, Connor, is that you didn't get in your own way. You performed. Uh, I know there'd be one or two of those finals you'd be disappointed with. The demons won, but then the, you're in that game. Was it against Tempelog, um, Yanis, and that that that, that referee <laughs> decision? You were right there, and you you won in big games going down the stretch to win that league. But just I suppose we're 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 covering this because we have teams getting ready for cup finals, and there's a lot of basketball has a very strong under 18, under 20s. There's there's athletes there who are playing in the, their first national final, and we have clubs here that are playing in their first final as collectives. Um, and I suppose nearly the do's or don'ts and uh, on an individual and, and the collective base, what nearly are the little do's and don'ts that you would suggest for that rookie basically going and, and, and rookie teams that haven't been quite there? What nearly would be your message of a few things to do and a few things not to do? I think Phil Jackson famously said, don't speak of the bulls unless you've been in the bull ring. I think he said the front cover of one of his famous books. I used to say that in Leinster in the early days, and some of the Leinster players still slag me about that phraseology today. And the reason I bring that up is in the bull ring, I've made every mistake you can imagine as a player. I think you got, just thinking of it, I think you got sent off against Fermanagh that day, didn't you? I, I, I got sent off. I elbowed Martin McGrath across the chin and actually hadn't hijacked yeah. by the occasion. And actually, it's a body time tackle. I wanted to hit him with a shoulder. Yeah. I missed him and I tried to get a piece of him, put my elbow up him and cut him down through the chin. So you, 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 so you have seen it all. You've been that man in the arena who, who's won in it and, and, and made mistakes. So you've been there. So so going back to the guys going into it, it's the only place to be is what you kind of touched on. Connor, and what, what else would you recommend or, again, to do? And not do's and don'ts. Let's talk about the don'ts, first of all. Don't try an awful lot different. Don't overtrain. Biggest thing that coaches get wrong are S&C coaches or captains will do an extra session. We'll do more up and down the court we'll do more yards we'll do more agility work we'll do more tactical work less is more so don't try to do too much next thing don't 
over sensationalize the final. The final, and we knew this from working with Ireland for seven years, I've learned it really hard. Make sure the focus is on the basics. Don't hype up the final. UCD, Marianne, we actually dumbed it down. We talked about the basics. As Connor talked about what we're doing in offense, what we're doing in defense. So we didn't hype it up. We hyped it way, way down. I learned this from the Armada days as well. The other don't, I would say very clearly is don't think about the media. The media can hijack a lot of teams, unfortunately, for big fans when they start to read the media before the game or even start to think about the media. The next don't. Don't ask players to do something they've never done for you all season. Disaster zone. I learned that from my best coach at Queen's University, who learned it in the physio department. There's some five don'ts. On the do's, as a coach, be dead relaxed. Do, as the captain, you better make sure that you've got that conviction and command communication all that two weeks before. When they look into your eyes, they believe in every sinew you're the man to lead them to win. Conor Meany, they believed every word that he said because he'd done it on the court every single night in training. And I watched them. I used to sit away up in the background watching his intensity in training. They knew they were following a guy who was mentally tough for the battle. Two. The next two is make sure they know the game plan. I learned this hard in Ireland. I learned it hard in the Premier League. I learned it hard in professional golfers at the highest level of world sport. I learned it hard in UCD, make sure your team know the game plan. So you phone them in the middle of the night and ask them, what's our offensive plan? What's our defensive plan? They know it on the tip of the tongues. And the last two, if I give you 15 do's, the last two would be, make sure your mental preparation is better for that two weeks than any other aspect of your preparation. And what, what would that entail? What would that like? Again, like for some of the Marion boys, what would you have done, Connor? What is your memory of what you did in part of your mental prep to be ready for that? I game? think, uh, yeah. Look, I think we, uh, I think we visualized ourselves a little bit. Uh, it, it's very hard to kind of say uh, across the board of what guys because my experience of and uh, my experience of that whole thing. Dan James could sit beside me here and say a completely different experience of it. Like it's, it's all kind of, it's hard to kind of speak to the collective, but I think it's just that idea of realize, just visualizing the idea that we could do it and, and seeing it. Now I'm, I'm the type of person that throughout my entire career, I've always, I've had to, I'd have to look at, like I can't play in a gym without looking on Google images, what the gym looks like beforehand. It's just one of these quirks that I have. So I've always been a visual person in my own mind, but it's, it's just whatever I think it goes back to that thing. The same as you, your collective tries to stay on the same path. It's that mental preparation for whatever way you approach games. Cause some guys will watch a movie the night before and will never think about basketball. And that's the way they get themselves into the right space. Some guys need to, watch certain things whatever it might be it's it's whatever you do but you know what that is and uh, I, I think uh, that, that would be the the wider message for for players really because like uh, you would i suppose what helps is the semi-final format you know it's a big thing to get to the semi-final and there, there's a lot of commonalities you can bring i mean i'll always remember timmy mccarthy making the point with tralee now, they didn't win the cup when he was involved with them in 95, 96, but they won the league. And I remember their, their first game was against Neptune, which they lost. But I remember he was wearing a suit. And I remember saying it to me, 
I said, you know, I, 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 re I remember just talking to him about it, and he said, I'm wearing the suit for the league because every game is a big game for us because what often you see is a guy's in his jeans or his track suit for a, a regular, one of the 18 regular season games. But then when it comes to the cup, particularly a cup semi-final or final, he's wearing a suit for the first time. Where is the, try Because there is, you'll notice, and you notice, Connor, there is enough difference with it being a cup like the media as you said there is a bigger crowd so the things that you can keep the same try and keep them the same so yeah. so i suppose my my one own tip and having worked a bit in the space that Enda alluded to is you know if you haven't worn a suit up to now don't bother wearing one speaking of which charlie uh, we'll be joined yeah. by charlie now in a minute but Enda, just to Enda, just thanks so much for joining us there was huge in that and again i go back to it's a legacy that a for all you've done since um throughout you know irish sport and internationally that you still have that bond and that memory of your time with marion that, that's a credit to you and, and uh the likes of connor and fran who you know was back was winning under 20 cups last year so um thanks very much for joining us and, yeah, and i know look you're, you're a busy man and you've you've got a book coming out next month um I, I know I read your book, your first one, Commit. You've got another one out now? Yeah, even before I mention the book, I hope it's okay. I really want to dedicate the medal that UCD gave me. Uh, and I was very humbled to be invited to the medal ceremony at UCD. Brian Mullins hosted it, God rest him. Mm. And it was unbelievably humbled, Kieran, that Brian Mullins gave me a medal, a gold medal, that UCD wanted that. So as you know, Kieran, you've been in lots of backroom staff, so you've been very successful yourself in your coaching life. As you know, to be honoured to be given a medal in the backroom staff is a big deal. I still have the medal. I'll be honest, I have that medal at home on top of the medal piece. All my All-Ireland medal, Ulster medals, Sigerson medals, I don't have them on medal piece. I have my RFU medals winning Six Nations there and my UCD medal. So I want to dedicate that medal to Brian Mullins because without him I wouldn't have been involved. And of course, the book, I do want to call it the book, not because it's self-promotion, as, as Kieran knows and Connor knows, writing books aren't very profitable. But because a lot of things we spoke about are in the book, the book's called Commit to Lead. And that night that uh, UCD won the cup, Conor Meany committed to lead. That's the best way I can put it. Cheers, Enda. Thanks so much. You didn't get him to do the forward for you, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah go on. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us. All the best with the book. And great to see you again. And uh, I hope to see you soon again. Thanks. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Enda. No, Really interesting stuff there, Karen. Uh, just a quick one before we get Charlie in, because I know he's waiting for us. Is I actually don't have my medal from that game. Because, is that right? Uh, go, go get in as well. I think it's uh, in so much. It's so precious to him. It yeah, shows you, James, you, know, you don't know where James, that medal is. Yeah, no, it's James Crowder got his robbed from him in coppers that night. So uh, James has my actual medal. So uh, <laughs> Connor, you, you only have so many. That's why you're still playing, <laughs> is it? You want to get another one? Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Well, know. look, we we've kept uh, kept him hanging around. He's been pestering me for weeks uh, to call <laughs> Finn to be able to come on to the show. <laughs> First line already. I'm only in the door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh, the, the Twitter account that is the strongest within uh, in Irish basketball as well for a few years it's died down a little bit since you become a coach charlie so first of all congratulations, yeah, congratulations <laughs> on getting to the cup uh, final it's uh another great performance obviously dc you were down uh, an important body but you still took care of business in a very impressive way so uh 
How has it been in the couple of days post semi final, and how are you looking forward to uh, next week? Yeah, it's been it's been good. First of all, thanks for having me on. I must say, I do I do listen every week to hear if uh, if Conormini's slagging off Mary again. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been it's been good. I think uh, it's funny having Carl back in the fold. He kind of gives you an insight into it, and you know, Carl would say some things, and you're like, Ash, stop! No, no, that's there's no way that's true. And the one thing he said was, you won't believe it, but every so-and-so that you've never seen, probably never came to a game, is going to text you. First thing he'll text you is congrats. And second thing he'll text you is tickets. And and I didn't believe him. And I got, I'd say on the Sunday, we got six. We hadn't even boarded the bus yet back to, back to Galway. And we got about six or seven of those texts. So that's kind of where it is at the moment. Um, just getting, kind of getting used to all that, but also... Also staying like locked in in the moment and like as I say, I said at the weekend like we have a really big league game on on Saturday, which you know not the best timing for it, but it just so happens you know every you know, as we all know every league game is so important. So we're trying to juggle a couple of things. As you say it's different to your regular running, um, and you're trying to stay so locked in on one thing, just trying to keep. Uh, keep the important people which are the players focused on that and we can and try and keep you know as much attention away you know as as um Enda said there normality is what you need like you need to under hype this as much well, as you just can. just on that about about the tickets what way is your way of handling it do you just send them a link and that's it and I think that has to be. That's uh, no yeah you will you get your allocation from from basketball Ireland and mm. then uh, you kind of can you can decide to bulk buy and distribute them yourself throughout the club or you can get a link and stuff like that so we're just in the process now of just making sure that everyone uh you know i think the thing is is that everything is social media bound now and because it's our first it's our first time i think it I could be wrong, but I've never heard of a Galway team making a national cup final before no, but, in Super League. But, but, but Super League, Charlie, never even. Charlie you, you, you were saying you're a regular uh, listener to the podcast, and just we were after the um, the quarterfinal round, and just the run you've been on in the league, which you're obviously going for as well. That that this hasn't happened before in um, the men's or women's. There's never been a Galway team. That has won the premier tight, one of the premier uh, like levels of Irish basketball. There's been Division One's one, underage one, but um, the only Connick team to have won um, a national that senior never. title would have been the Great Ballina teams mm. of the nineties. So that, but I, I get the impression that's that's not where you're not looking at the significance of that. It's it's a game of ball, but. By the same token, Charlie, what you've done in Marie, and Connor would be more familiar with this uh, from having played against you through the years and when you came on board. Just how has it, how is it that you're within the game of it and, and you're challenging for the league? Tell us about this progression um, and where you've had to come from because, again, there hasn't been that heritage. Um. I suppose kind of way back when um, Connor would have known against them, you know, old man Finn, as we called him, they were playing uh, like whenever we grew up, like whenever I was like 10, 11 and stuff like that. Tala was like, like I didn't know in January without going to Tala. Like it would just be like, you'd be asking mom and dad. So, oh, so when are we getting on the bus? And uh, it was just, you were going up like the great Sean Conroy and Richie Finn. Like he went, they went 10 years undefeated. Like they didn't lose a game for 10. So, 
that was kind of the norm when we grew up. And um, myself, the Owens, uh, Steve, and John, and um, then just we kind of once we got older, uh, we started building our way up, and we got to the Division Ones, uh, and then once that team started. Uh, if it took a couple of years and then they started to win a couple of things and then we went on the run of winning four and five years and like it was nearly like if you don't go up to the Super League now you're not going to be allowed to play the National League because it's not fair that you keep staying down um, and then we made the, the jump up to the Super League and it, it, it like it's been there in the works for a while it's just it takes time and we got unfortunate that fortunate unfortunate we were in the National League and we were winning things like Connor would know as well is that Cahill was up in UCD and up in Dublin, but he was coming down to marry. Uh, Cully, Colin Mohagan was in Scotland in university, but was flying home for every second game. All these guys were coming down, and at the level that the National League was then, that wouldn't be we wouldn't be able to do it now. Uh, we were able to still consistently win games and get it up there. And then we went to the Super League, and we tried to do that for a year, and you get found out very very quickly. So. What we then did is is just there's a couple of years there where like Owen Rockall is a mainstay in the Super League. Now everyone's seen him for it. But when Owen Rockall was the starting point guard for Super League, I think he was like 19 years old. And 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 like everything was on his shoulders. And we got recruiting all wrong. And we were still getting to the level fundraising wise. We were, you know, and like, so we were, it was very much survival at that point. Like, and I, I think even at the time, everyone knew you come up against Mary. We, the way we were playing was, was that if you were going to try and win this game and if we don't win this game, they're going to bloody well know that they came out of a fight or something, you know, and Connor, Connor's smiling because I've had run-ins with him in games where that man would be shooting threes and my foot would be kicking out. And, and you know, they used to complain the offensive player kicks out, but no, definitely my foot was a bit more extended, but that's kind of what we did. And then um, whenever we got, we'd gotten to a point and, I suppose I had gotten involved with the university because I'd broken my foot or like ligaments my ankle, and I started coaching within there. And then, you know, I'd done a bit. You know, everyone does a bit underage and stuff like that, and I didn't mind it. And then we were at the university, and we we ended up winning the double, the varsity, and the league double. And um, now we our team was stacked, like, and there wasn't much coaching in it. But like, you know, I actually liked a bit of the bug of it. And then we were in the going back to the club scene. And it just said we we had uh, John was the coach, then Mike was the coach, and he had done his his kind of couple of years there. And it was clear that we were coming to a point of like, you know, we're gonna need a we're gonna we're gonna need to get a new coach or whatever. Uh, we don't have money to be spending on pros, never mind a coach. Um, like I like I I was not good enough to play Super League, but like I was getting playing and I enjoyed playing it, and the crack of it was mighty. But like I wasn't, but. Like I felt that maybe I I like I knew the lads well enough, and you know why why not like and let's see where it goes and and I just said that you know maybe basketball wise and and skill wise and all that crack I might be there but you know I, the one thing we will try and do is we're gonna shift the tide a bit of that like instead of looking down like if you think our kind of thing whenever because I met with Owen and maybe a couple of Kenny at the time some of the senior lads just because they were the first guys you had to run it past because if they say no it's no point even going forward with it but just saying that you know if we if we shoot for the top and we fall short of our goal we get mid table if we shoot for survival and we fall short we're gone we're done like so that was kind of what we took the approach of it was actually three years ago when I take it because we coached right up to, you know, the night before the season got cancelled. So mm -hmm. that was there. And then there was last year. And that was kind of 
that's kind of been the progression. Like, like at, we're lucky enough that the kind of the guys that were there for survival are still here now, and they're still only 24. So yeah, we so kind of got lucky with that. Yeah, so Charlie, on that, it's like, uh, so the the golden generation or whatever you want to call them, the Liam Conroys and, and, and all those, they, they obviously went undefeated, underage. And you have a couple of years, uh, by the time you come up to Super League, where through natural emigration, migration, everything else, there's just a lot of people have left Galway for a variety of different reasons. And I think that probably speaks to one of the reasons that a Galway team has never probably uh, been able to achieve this. Was there kind of stages over those probably up to about two years ago when you started getting the recruitment really right that you're kind of going, is this really the path that uh, like Murray are going to go on? Or was it always kind of, no, we'll get there eventually kind of thing. And uh, so how do you see it yourselves? Yeah, I suppose like those, naturally those questions are asked like um, now, like, you know, some people who maybe have more of a sane thought process, like you'd be a fool to ask me that question because I'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, because again, but that goes back to where like I only knew Mary being, you know, that team, like, like, you know, playing against GM, playing up in, in Tala. And so, you know, to be thinking that other way, it was just like, well, what in God's name is that about? Like, you know, and um, but yeah. yeah, naturally it was there because you could see teams were getting better. Uh, you could see more teams were getting pros. We were in a situation where we can't, you know, we got our guy. We have to get our guy. When a guy comes in, he has to be right. Like, and not just right as a player. Has to be right for everything else that, that's asked of a professional player, you know. And as everyone knows here is that, you know, some it's a lottery sometimes some guys are tremendous players don't want to go down and coach the kids some guys are great kids but can't put the ball in the back they're great with kids but can't put a ball in the basket so it's it's that balance and stuff and and it was just it was it was kind of getting a bit tire tiring and stuff like that but whenever you're in it um it only really kind of takes one person to say something like that to light a fire in you and be like well you know i'm going to show that doubter that he's gonna be yeah. you know and and that kind of stuff like that but yeah that's kind of where where it, 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 like you, you hear those those questions but like we were never i suppose even in the years we were surviving like one year we got the recruiting really right you definitely remember him sean sellers and niels bunshoten like that guy was like he's a prime yeah. example of unbelievable player on the floor not so good off the floor and coaching but we got the recruiting right in the floor and we were we were points if we had to beat Vincent's by 23 to get into the playoffs and we beat them by 20 at home. Like, and that's how close we were. So you could kind of base back to the point is that like one year we nearly got it right. And we didn't have, and we weren't training, like we were training twice a week. I remember being in college and, you know, you'd be thinking of every reason under the sun to text in. You didn't go, couldn't go to train on Thursday night because uh, you wanted to go into the city like you like there were the kind of things and you're saying and we still nearly made the playoffs you know so it, it was just a thing of just a couple of things have to be gotten right and then you're you jump you can really jump up the ranks you know 
And how big is the how big is the NUIG connection being in helping to kind of get to that a bit where it's right? Uh, def- definitely, the uh, the partnership has been. Is Sorry, not NUIG anymore. I've, uh, I'm going to have angry Marie uh, uh, messages on Twitter. Get, it's the one you get thing angry Mary fans if you keep calling us Marie. I tell you that, Mary. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but um, no, it, it has been. It's been. It's been a tremendous uh, partnership. I suppose there's so many levels to it that I think the primary one was it the first one is is the the venue you know like as much as we loved bringing people to Cala Sanchez and we loved rattling them and having the people right on the sideline you still limit it like we could get maximum 200 people like on your our best day so my Cullen rivalry game 200 people no more you know so that hamper and limit you and what you can do financing wise allows you what you can do you know spectacle wise you can't really throw a spectacle in Cala Sanchez because it's not big enough like you turn off the lights it takes five minutes for them to come back on like you can't you know you can't even do a show before and um, so that was the first thing so going from a place that you squeeze in 200 to having minimum we have within the bleachers we have minimum 600 seats that's before you take out an extra chair at all you've got the hoarding around it and then on from that then is I suppose the branding name alone like it brings up the the recognition of the t- you know University of Galway is one of the top two is in the two percent in the universe uh, not the universe the world of uh, and the universities as as I've been told so like like that brings up your name significantly uh, you know when you start talking to people they maybe they listen a bit more you start talking to university alumni abroad they listen a bit more then you start bringing in um, then there the facilities I think is really really the key like like they have. Uh, a gym in the in the university that we'd be able to use you know and they've got trainers and stuff like that and not not just one-off usages like you we can use it consistently like we can use it on monday wednesday we have a slot where it's just our guys are in there and the trainer is there helping us and um, i know you'd end on there like like we had uh the start they said we have actually we have a sports site in with us as well uh like helping us out and not just as you say not just for a final like this was his before the season began, um, like nutritionists, like we get access, just stuff, just stuff that even if we don't use it, it just kind of lends to that professionalism. And then you can kind of talk to guys and say, well, you know, this is, if this is the standard of stuff that we have for you and stuff, like you got to be at that standard consistently. And if we drop our standard, you can let us know. But if we're maintaining the standard and everything around you, you know, it's there. And then, like, you've got Mike, you've got Fergal, Mike Heskin. You know, you've got all, you've got access and you've got, you've got that uh, line of communication to all these guys that really, you know, and they've been in the road. Like, Mike Heskin, the director of sport for you know, university, knows a lot of people, been around the block, knows what way we can get stuff done and stuff like that. So it all lends to that kind of, if we're, like, you were asking guys to step up, you know, Everything has to step up. Can't just be right. All the players are stepping up, but everything else stays the same. So that's kind of an aspect of it. So Thursday night, Charles? No, Charlie. There's no more pointing on a Thursday night student night. No, not no. for the okay. players anyway. Okay. So, so but just bring us back to Mary, like because I I haven't been there, but obviously players have come there. And both male and female. Like, j- just tell us about Mary, where you're based, and a bit about the roots of the club, because, you know, it's again going back to like you produce players and you've been in the league now. Um, but it doesn't just happen. It's like there's clubs all around the country. Just tell us, and and you're a model early for them now. Tell us about where Mary's based and 
where the club has come from. Yeah, no, I'm happy you asked this because I don't know about the amount of Vincent's people the last day that told me Mary is in a place and my head nearly exploded. Um, was yeah, so Mary, you know, everyone like or more and go or Mary caters for or more Mary and kind of everywhere this side of Galway, uh, who, who are willing to play basketball or lo- looking to play basketball, um. Like the actual geographical location is you take a left to Kelly's Cross, go down to the shop, take a left. There we are. That's where, as that's how you describe it. Um, but no, it, it's, 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 it's there. We're a big, like for, we're a big club and we have been for a long time, you know, it's just, I, I kind of, it's kind of hard to describe as what is Mary. Cause it's just, you know, something that's always been part of you. Yeah, like what's Mary, my left arm. Like, like, you know, it's, um, We've been we've been around the block. There's been such there's been Trojan work gone in from day one. Like it started with the like you know the the, the household names are on Irish basketball. The Rockalls, the Conroys, the Burks, the Finns, all of them are married. I think we taught it the last day. I think John Finn has been coaching for thirty years and has had an impact on every player that has come, as it is in the Super League setup or has come along the way. John Finn has had some sort of impact on him within the team which is incredible uh, it's the same bodies that are going through it like as i said underage wise um we've always had success and bringing the success and then as connor says you go up the ranks and then life gets in the way like you know we've got the one university here but if you don't want to go to nyg or gmit or atu even they're called now or not even NYG, ug um you, you know, you got to go elsewhere and all and Dublin is there, there's a massive appeal to go to Dublin. I know like like my my sister, like she went up to Dublin, then down to uh, she was in UCD even. And she just stayed and like if we if Goa doesn't have a free, it pulls you out there. Like but like players wise, like you're talking like the likes of Claire Rockall, who is that player you know, down in one player of the season down there. Mary, you know, Carl Finn, one, he was on that National Cup winning team. Mary, you know, it's Liam Michelle, Conroy played with Michelle Fahey. Mary. Like, you know, like, yeah. So, and I, I think you've just hit on it because uh, I've said this before and just, I suppose, looking at the history and I suppose the geography of the sport and you would have this a bit when teams were winning, like I was involved with the UL and people said, well, how many of the girls are from Limerick? But but what you had was you were you were a centre, a population centre where people were going to gravitate. People from Galway, like like Michelle was working in Limerick and you know, girls coming up from Kerry. Um, like emigration has been or migrate within the country has been a huge factor in let's say not getting the senior titles, but the the players have stayed within the game and contributed hugely. You mentioned Claire, who's now obviously Claire O'Sullivan, and it was lovely that she got to play with with the a couple of years. So just like tell us about how vibrant basketball is in Galway, and obviously Mike Cullen have been doing their thing too, which helps. Tell us about because Galway is a, a great sporting city as well. Obviously, got to the All Ireland football final, won a hurling All Ireland five years ago. You've connect. Where is basketball? How vibrant is basketball, and how is basketball recognised within Galway? Yeah, I think it's. It it is tough. I'm not gonna lie. Not like I'm not just in a sob story now. Like, but like it is. It is tough by comparison to like other sports. And I think the problem, not the problem, but the thing about it is, it's just that the the other sports do so well. Like, it's not like we've got we've got a Gaelic football team and a hurling team that are are terrible. And then then there's basketball that's doing well. Like our footballers made the All Ireland. Our hurlers won a couple of years ago. Connacht rugby went and won the the rabbit erect. Like they. So all these other sports are are thriving and pulling then members in 
Um, but it is, like it's it's on the rise for sure. I know, like I suppose as poor choice, the great poor choice once said, "It's the success breeds success." Like, and and you're asking like people to come in, and you want kids to come down and play basketball, but you got to give them a reason to come. Like, you know, if if, if we aren't looking or trying to be at our best why would a kid want to come and pick up a basketball you know he's not we aren't lucky enough that it's a you know like in the states that it's on everywhere and you see it and you're just like oh i like to look at that you know if people are going to see basketball especially in go and stuff like that and the other uh, teams in the west of ireland like if they're going to see it you got to really put it in their face and you got to show them why they're going to like it and then on top of that then they're going to see you know they're going to play their other sports and you got to you got to allow that and you compete with that and you, you let it happen. You know, you know, we don't, we're not going to plan a basketball session the same time a football session's on because we know we will lose, but it's not that we'll get our basketball players and we'll get our footballers. We don't get our footballers. We won't have basketballers, you know, and stuff like that. But it is, it is striving. It's, it's getting bigger. Like every, I think this is the time the, the Goa league is getting its most. I know up in the Dublin league, you probably laugh at us, but I think we've got 10 teams and that's, that's a big league for us. I know you probably have 10 divisions, but uh, like that's the just the local aspect in it. People do enjoy playing it, and it really is. Um, it's coming to the fore a lot more now. I think within Mary itself, it's it's on the the, the just the success that we've happened to have this year. You can really see it within the youth. Uh, like all these kids coming in trying to be Jared Haynes, and like you know you're just like you've got a long way to go, <laughs> and then but like they're loving it, and they're coming down and messing around with them, and that's obviously. You know, I call it the Super League effect whenever the guys are down there and they see them. But uh, I think I think it is on 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 the rise. But it just it is it is tough with the with the other sports. Like you see, we talk about football there. The three I the my lads especially you know three Kellys who play for Galway. Owen Owen went to the states to play basketball. Paul Kelly was a dominant basketball. He was the Super League. He was like eighteen and he was dominating Super League. And then his brother Sean, who never played, was a damn good basketball player. I, he was my age and played against the whole time. Very, very good. Um, so this is a uh, like this is just kind of it. Kind of this is we are. It is getting bigger, and we're like these are the biggest crowds we've ever had into games, and we're trying to get everyone, not just marry, trying to make this like a festival of basketball on a Saturday night, and it's getting bigger, but. It will all. It's gonna. It will be tough, and it is tough, and it's gonna to continue to be tough. Uh, just with all these other things, especially if Connacht are playing on a Saturday night or something like that. You know, it's it's a tough. It's a tough uh, demographic well, to get at. You you guys are the standard bearers at the moment, and look, we're a little bit tight on time, so I want to get into the cup final just briefly. So, you've you talked earlier on about getting recruitment right, and you certainly got recruitment right on the floor, off the floor. You can go into it if you want, but. Uh, you kind of got rocked a couple of weeks ago when one of uh, your players uh, went on to pastures new. And yes, you've kind of, after one little blip the week after the cup, when you lost the star, you've kind of seemed to have regained kind of momentum again. And you're, you're seeing Irish players like Stephen Coleman's come, having a, an even bigger role now. Just chat to us really briefly about the, the guys you've brought in and how that team has come together. And I guess one of the interesting things for a lot of people from the outside is obviously you're a young coach who's the same age as a lot of the guys are younger than some of the guys and just how you found that bringing these guys all together and getting them to play so well together because from the outside looking in, they're well organized and there's, there's a good uh, kind of bond there within the team. So just give us a little bit of insight in, into what's going on. Yeah, no, yeah, we just so <clears throat> just got lucky. Not lucky, but we you know put in the work there to try and find 
Uh, I think this year we kind of just said that we're not going to settle for a player unless he's uh, he's the right one we want. You know, if he's not the right one we want, we go without him. Uh, and we won't we don't just settle, I suppose. You know, we're not just going to plug a gap. Like, there's a gap there to be filled in a certain position. If we don't fill that gap, that position, we're not just going to get, let's say if we wanted a centre, we're not going to get a good small forward because he's there. That's not going to work for us. Um, and I think also that then leads to unrest within camp that everyone could see that we look for a centre and we're looking for a centre and then a six foot five small forward arrives and first with the guys who play small forward are going to get annoyed thinking that's what you know they're taking my minutes there we haven't filled the gap does Charlie know what he's doing then you got your club on you're behind saying you know this isn't what you said you're going to bring in etc etc um so yeah we just that was what happened to fill fill that accordingly and the guys have have, have um took to it well uh the stuff on the floor uh, i suppose like like I, I know I say it and it sounds like it's a joke, but you didn't remember when you played against me is that like I was a loud mouth at the time and I, I did like because I, I had passion yeah. for the team. And You're so, a pest. The, that's, that's the word that I'd like to describe you as a pest. Pest. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Okay, old man Feeney. <laughs> mean even. Um, but, uh, what, but anyway, no. Like, so you'd be, so that, that would obviously, whatever you saw on the court would be a hell of a lot more in training. And stuff like that. So it was very like you just say to the lads that you set the tone very early to say that when we cross the lines, like I am going to be the coach and I'm going to take it as the coach. And after that, like I'm still going to go for my point. I'm, I'm still 24, 25 years old. You're going to see me out and about. I'll probably be out with you. Like and it's not it's not a case that we can take it any further. But then there is there is uh, there is a couple of like the, every as every coach is, and maybe earlier in the earlier on stages, there was maybe one or two sessions where people might toe the line or they might forget that there's a line. And it, again, as you said, me being a pest, I don't let that slide. And we just, we settle it there and then, and, uh, you know, punishments are dished down. And then we just go on. Like the guys, the guys are doing it. I think it was actually, it's funny. It was Joe that Joe's gone. We could say it was him. He was the first one this year. And we pull them in and say, you know, you dance to the beat of our drum. Like you don't, you know, that's how it's done. Like it's not, it's not the Joe show. Like it's, it's, it's our show and stuff like that. And the guys get to it. I think the age profile was key. Um, that they, for them to, for them to be willing to listen to it. You know, if you're very young, you could say, you know, who's this guy? Uh, I've played, you know, all these guys have played at a higher level. I've ever played at. They've been coached by coaches that have coached at a higher level. I'll ever coach at, you know, so these are, they could come in and do that, and rightfully so. But you know, they'll they'll, they'll suffer my wrath if that's what they're gonna do. You know, but they they take to it very well. You know, and the guy, I think, Owen, a call big time. You know, them coming in, and you can just look to them, Steve, John, like these guys are all there, and they're the guys that you know they sign up to, and they know that they've seen the You know, they're the the true blues from day one. They know what it's like. They've been there. They've been on the tail end of roastings. Like some of the stuff that I might roast a guy on, they've heard it before. You know, it's like it's like a carbon copy. So that's kind of how we allude to it. Like we have our fun. We boy, do we have our fun. Like, and it's it's great. You know, like that's all all part and parcel of it. But it is it is like there is a I suppose there'll be a fine there's a fine line. Uh, be a different person, let's say, on the court than than off it. Yeah, but like all credit to you. To be fair. I've written about it and it said uh, publicly is that the team is very well organized it's clearly not just uh, a group of talented people just thrown out there and see what happens it's there's obviously method to it so 
you're heading into a cup final for the first time for the club. You have an Aina team who are playing really well uh, so far this season, have found a way to kind of eke out results in a variety of different ways, not always playing the best, but they always seem to find a, a way. What's the challenge that you see ahead of yourselves? Uh, like, what's the main thing that would concern you? Well, not concern you, but just that you have to be aware of uh, when you're looking to prepare for an Aina team. I suppose the first thing is who are they going to decide to play is the is the first thing because they've got you know they've they've got injuries or injuries or whatever they have so we won't know until uh, the day of it but that's all part and parcel of it you know um I think uh, we've I've I've never beaten an a team as a coach so like um we just gotta go into their depth is their thing uh, as everyone keeps talking about their depth their depth you know they've got like you hear one week they've got four guys hurt and then you see they are hurt and then they grind out a result against Belfast who spanked us by 20. Like you're just like, what, how do they do? But it's just, they've got the continuity. They've got some really, really good players. McGovern is a great coach, you know? So like there, it's just a couple of, couple of things like that. Um, like, I don't, I don't really, uh, I don't really care. You don't share. have to do any detail <laughs> anyway. Don't worry. I'm not looking for games. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm usually like, yeah, yeah. That's a, when a lad's outspoken. It's very easy to tell when he's trying not to say stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're not, we're not looking for any hidden gems from you or anything else. But look, even in the context of the conversation that we've uh, had with Ender earlier on, I know you, you heard some of that and. You're navigating first cup final. What are you kind of most excited about for the next? Because it's a really exciting thing to to go through. And what are you looking forward to over the next kind of week or so? And uh, what's what's the big thing that you you're really excited most about for cup final? Yeah, I think uh, I think we alluded to it there at the start. Like the exciting thing now, and kind of hard to keep a smile off my face is just when you start hearing a boys like. Anyone kind of saying, oh, yeah, I've got five tickets bought. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen you at a basketball court in my life. Like, and, you know, and like they're the lads, you know, you might be going down having a pint with or you're going down for a run with or the lads in the GAA. And, you know, they'd be the lads that would be calling you soft for playing basketball. And they're the first guys that buy a ticket like and you can laugh and have a laugh and a joke. But it's just kind of the buzz about it, I suppose. Uh, or more, Mary, um, especially, is a big GA community like like they're very successful in GA circles and stuff like that, and you know you start here and you may have, you may have seen actually uh, a couple of the GA lads down the Ballin College game in the corner, uh, like they're they're great supporters and stuff and they're you know organising supporters buses and stuff like that. You know it's 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 very it's kind of rewarding in that sense because like I see what the these the lads do on a weekly basis, you know and. Like they deserve everything, all that support. Like they, I, I stand by it. Like I'm the donkey that puts down the cones. They have to try. If they don't come down and do what I ask and stuff, you know, it's 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 irrelevant. So, like all credit to the players and they do whatever whatever. I just I just want our guys to go out and enjoy it and we we we'll take care of it. We know where the underdogs going into this. Like so, we're not delusional so we know you, 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 you can't be a coach without saying that you're the underdog even though you're the top of the conference but uh Do you know what look, you're Charlie, uh, look uh i know myself and Carl have played two two together and it's the most fun game of the year to play in it's everything that you kind of hope for so 
best of luck. We hope uh, look. We hope you enjoy it, and uh, we hope it's a, a successful night for you. And fair play to you for everything you've done so far. And obviously, look as you said, you've got an important league game this weekend, and you're you're chasing the league as well. So best of luck on that continued journey. And uh, yeah, all the best. Cheers, boys. Thanks Enjoyed for it. Us, so, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, he's he's a great lad. He's got his head on his shoulders. He is, he's we now we know that he doesn't go out on Thursday nights anymore. He's yeah, yeah. Going out on Thursday nights, but like it is. I was just trying to put it in perspective there, in my own head. Like how to have a coach as young as that in the men's game, anyway. Um, it's a phenomenal achievement. I mean, I'm 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 going through it in my head and. You know, there was young coaches like the Shawnee Murphys or Noli Allen, but they would have been maybe still in their 30s. For someone to come in at that age and having been a player and then just, like, he represents everything about the Mary Project, having been a player, knew his own limitations. But, um, but you know, and, and the talk at the start about the humility, like, he definitely has that. He's just talking about that so much of the credit of the players, but he has something and he's right for that group. And, and, you know, that, that they say, like, when it comes to leadership, and then there's brought a new book on it, but the, the leader nearly represents the journey or the story. And, like, there is someone who's a real Galway City person, basketball person, and wouldn't it be great if they were to become that first team with him at the helm and the journey they've been on? And they've taken the tough scrapes, you know, they've taken the beatings. They were often also run also runs oh yeah Mary they'll make it tough but you know eight or ten we'll win and get our W and get out of there. Uh here they are they're the ones getting the W's and they could be getting the first senior silverware yeah, that yeah. Galway team have had men or women's no it's a it's a really interesting story and uh it's I think they got some criticism earlier on in, in the year just the idea it's like oh it's all all Europeans but it really isn't, and there there's a core there of of club people who've come through in exactly the way that you want any Irish basketball club who are being successful to 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 have it. So uh, look, all the best for them. It it wraps up this week's episode for us. We obviously there's a a lot of league action that we don't have time to get into uh, this week. There's still some really interesting games to look forward to. Um, and we'll be back again next week with uh, a really in-depth look at the, the in particularly the two Super League uh, finals, uh, which are, are set up to be really interesting games. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks, Karen, thanks for being everyone. here. And uh, we'll see everybody again next week. Bye, everyone. No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart and I'm travelling around Europe, following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts.